Boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Another round with the business bros. And this time we're talking about messaging. How do you get to talk to people who want to do business with you? How do you stand out? That's what this episode is all about. So let's get started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have an extraordinary guest with us. It's a, he's a true master of the sales strategy and every company faces the challenges of engaging prospects, outshining competitors and keeping healthy margin. His company, Master Messaging, holds the key to success by communicating value effectively. With over three decades of sales and sales management experience combined with the cutting edge behavioral psychology and value software, Master Messaging empowers sales teams to differentiate products and services in even the most crowded marketplaces. So let's dive into the secrets of sales success with Mr. David Kirk Gio. To the program. Hey, thank you for having me. I love that intro. All kinds of energy. Super excited to be with you guys. Well, let's do it, man. All right. Sales is probably the number one thing most businesses struggle with, but can also be the solution to almost every single problem they have. I've, at least that's what I've been told. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get to this uh, place and how how did you end up coming up with the uh, master messaging? Yeah. So I spent 35 years in, in corporate America, I actually started with uh, Bell South, which is now AT&T. Uh, had 11 years there, really uh, got some foundational training uh, in sales, but it was more tilted towards account management. And then in the 90s, during the whole dot-com craze, had an opportunity to be one of the first employees at CareerBuilder. And that's where I really cut my teeth on uh, how to communicate value around a product or service that had never been seen before, because the, again, the internet was all brand new. And so I did that a number of times uh, going into the 2000s, working with early stage companies and helping them rightly communicate the value of a new product or service. And in the, uh, you know, in going through that, I realized, hey, this is really my superpower. I need to find more time and opportunity to do this with more sales organizations and more businesses. And so I made the leap 11 years ago to become an entrepreneur and start a sales consulting company called Master Messaging. And as you rightly communicated uh, just a few minutes ago, in order to effectively uh, communicate with accomplished salespeople, you have to always be able to answer the question, why? Because mm. they're going to be listening to you and they're going to be like, hey, what do you got? I mean, I've been doing this. I'm, you know, I'm a top performer. I know how to sell. And so, you know, they're going to be sitting there with their arms crossed like, what do you got? So as soon as I start talking about behavioral psychology and what goes on in a person's brain when they're trying to make a buying decision, all of a sudden uh, they lean in. They're like, oh, I, I haven't heard this before. So I read over 30 books on behavioral psychology specifically to understand how to, uh, how to create principles and techniques that map to the buying brain. And that was the genesis of master messaging 11 years ago. 
uh, have had the honor and privilege of working with over 250 companies and helping them rightly communicate the value of their product and service in early stage selling conversations. Let's dive a little bit into describing that value because I hear this over and over again. When people try to sell something, um, a microphone, for example, here's a microphone. It's got a uh, great sound. It's at this price. Nobody ever wants to actually buy the microphone. They want the, the benefit that the microphone provides them. And it's the value that you're kind of describing. Simon Sinek talks about it in his, uh, in his famous TED talk on, on uh, why, start with why. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear it over and over again, but it's not something that's like, easy for a lot of salespeople to start with their conversation they always immediately go to logic they always immediately go to those to those benefits but never really the reason why we buy so i want can you elaborate a little bit on that psychology of of why we buy what is it that we're actually looking for when we buy something yeah well really it comes back to um, again the whole conversation of value and, and you're right. One of the biggest mistakes, and I see this not only with uh, young sales professionals, but also very accomplished and tenured sales professionals. There's a there's a biological reason why salespeople talk about the, the, uh, the is and does of their product. This is what it is. This is what it does. And the reason for that is that as a human being, when you meet somebody for the first time, you're most comfortable when you're talking about something that you're knowledgeable about or passionate about. And for most salespeople, that's the product or service that they represent. And so what happens is they get somebody to raise their hand and go, yeah, I'm a little interested in your product. And they're like, oh, great. And so they start talking about what they're knowledgeable and passionate about in the details of the product. And dopamine starts dripping on their brain and it makes them feel good. And so what happens is they end up experiencing a drug induced feature dump where dopamine is making them feel good and they just share more about what it is and does. And you've already rightly uh, identified prospects don't care about what your product is and does. They care about what it means to them. Mm -hmm. And so one of the behavioral psychology principles that salespeople have to lean into is that human beings make decisions based on meaning and emotion and justify their decisions with logic and reason. Now, that doesn't mean that, there ha that, that logic is absent in the conversation. It isn't. But for the person that you're communicating with, they have to understand what is the meaning of this for me? And when they do, they'll experience an emotion. And that is where the, the genesis of decision making happens. Can I share a quick story? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, I'm standing in a room with uh, 25 Oracle consultants. These are the most highly accomplished sales professionals I've ever been in a room with. And I make the statement that, uh, again, behavioral psychology, uh, psychologists have discovered that we make decisions based on meaning and emotion and justify it with logic and reason. There's a gentleman off to my right. He raises his hand and I said, yeah, do you have a question? He goes, no, I couldn't disagree more with what you just said. Ooh. And I said, why? And he goes, because I'm the most logical person you'll ever meet. I said, really? He said, yeah, if you were to compare me to Mr. Spock, he'd look like an emotional mess. That's how logical I am. And so I said, OK, well, let's let's investigate this. What's the last big major purchase that you made for either you or your family? And he goes, oh, that's easy. Six months ago, I bought a car. And I'm like, great, don't say another word. So I turned to the rest of the room and I said, hey, put your logic hats on and then riddle me this. What make and model of car would you buy if it were strictly a logical exercise? What do you think they said? 
<laughs> I'm thinking like a, a Volvo, something something that's gonna last forever. It has the great uh, economics uh, for the fuel. It's not super expensive. Uh, something that's gonna last a family vehicle that I could use. All the yeah. boring stuff that makes uh, that makes that kind of car that kind of car. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what the room gave back to me when I asked that question. The gentleman off to the right is getting very uncomfortable. And so I turned back to him and I said, hey, would you mind telling your peers what car did you buy? He tried to whisper it to me. He goes, I bought a BMW. I said, a BMW? The ultimate driving machine? German engineering, the Corinthian leather, the, the, the experience that you have hugging the road. He goes, all right, all right, all right. He said, you know what? It was an emotional decision, but I got a great deal. I said, there's the logical justification for the emotional decision that you made. You'll never see a car commercial where BMW will put up the specs of their latest five series and compare it to the specs of the Audi uh, sedan and go, hey, our specs are better, buy from us. You'll never see that. And in the B2C world, if advertisers and marketers understand how important experience and emotion is, it's equally as important for B2B sales professionals. Yeah, Zig Ziglar is one of those authors I love to listen to. He's not one of those old school sales guys, right? But he's definitely taught a lot of a lot of these a lot of these uh, what you're describing. Like people buy on the emotional level, but they justify the purchase logically, right? I bought mm -hmm. the Porsche because I was I was ready. I wanted to midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it. There's an emotion behind that purchase. But when I have to go tell my wife what I did or <laughs> my friends, now it's like I got a great deal. It's got great gas mileage all these other side, uh, side effects or, or, or logical arguments that we make to justify that purchase. That totally makes sense. Plus, you, uh, you're talking about it here and you're telling a story. And I've always heard the saying that facts tell and stories sell. How important when it comes to the psychology of selling is telling that story, is painting the picture so that the emotion is high and that the customer now wants to make that buying decision based on the story that they're hearing. Yeah, yeah, no, stories are are, are, are key. They, they absolutely are. As a matter of fact, there was a TED talk done, and I wish I could remember the scientists that did this. Uh, it was about two years ago. And what they did is they put uh, electro electrode monitors on two uh, people's head to monitor brain, brain wavelengths. And they were, seating back, they were uh, seated back to back, so they weren't facing each other. And they're having two different conversations. And obviously their brain wavelengths were completely different. They turned them to face each other and they had one of them to start telling a story to the other one. And as soon as that person started to tell a story, guess what happened to their brain wavelengths? Ooh. Completely in sync. Yeah. There's, there's no other form of communication that accomplishes that kind of connection between two human beings. Now, the, you know, the challenge is, is that one of the most effective stories that you can tell uh, when you're trying to build a rapport and trust with a prospect is to include something personal about yourself. But the challenge in doing that is the person that you're having a conversation with, if you're talking about your golf game or your kids or something like that, and it's anything more than just a, a quick icebreaker, they're sitting there wondering, why are you talking about your personal life? Now, there's an amazing way to tie a personal story to the reason that you're there to have a conversation with a prospect. So what you do is you identify what's the challenge or problem that they're facing. So I'll give you a quick example, and your audience can use this to create their own stories to make that connection and make it memorable in the conversation that they're having. 
So um, had an opportunity to do a workshop for a general, uh, an organization uh, called Mitel. And uh, one of the uh, students asked this question. He said, hey, I got a really important meeting coming up with UPS. And I need a way to open the conversation that really draws the room in. And I said, okay, let's use a personal story, about a three to five minute personal story. And I said, what you're going to need to do, though, is tie it to the reason that you're there. So why are you there? What's the problem you're going to solve? And he goes, they want to virtualize their voice and data networks on a common platform. And I said, okay, but what's the problem? He goes, it's inefficient the way it is today. I said, oh, inefficiency. Okay, there's the problem. Now, look into your own life and tell me when did you experience inefficiency and how did you solve it? He goes, oh, well, for me, that would be baseball. And I'm like, baseball? What does that have to do with inefficiency? And he goes, um, well, I was an uh, all-star pitcher for Georgia Tech, got drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, came up through the minor league system, but I couldn't break into the major leagues because I couldn't hit a fastball. Mm. Most pitchers can at least make contact and, and you know, again, acquit themselves fairly well in the batter's box, but I couldn't hit a fastball. And I said, Ken, what does that have to do with inefficiency? He goes, obviously, you don't know anything about trying to hit a, a 95 <laughs> fastball. He goes, if you're standing there at the plate and you have any inefficiency in your base, in your hips, in your arms, as you come through that swing plane, you'll never make contact with a fastball. And I said, okay, all right, that's a good, good story. How'd you solve it? He said, well, at the time, there was this coach, a hitting coach that had uh, this high frame rate technology where he could videotape the ball coming across the plane and what I was trying to do and slow it down enough that he could show me where the inefficiency was. And he helped me drive that out. And he goes, you know, who I got my first hit off of. I said, I have no idea. He goes, Andy Pettit. He said, oh. Andy Pettit and I were coming through the uh, minor league systems at the same time. And he goes, I'll never forget it. Hitting coach, got better, got my first hit through the gap over into a right field, running down the base path, pointed at Pettit going, man, I got you. And he, uh, he, and so he's telling the story. He goes, OK, well, how do I land it? I said, when you get done telling the story, you look at the room and you go, that's kind of like what you all are facing in your business today. You have inefficiency in your voice and data network and you need the combination of technology and trusted advisors to help drive that inefficiency out of your network so that you can have the same success that I had in my baseball career. That's the power of story. He called me two weeks after the meeting. He goes, it was amazing. I had them eating out of my hand. And more importantly, we were two of the finalists that moved on to the next stage. Kind of like, I love that. The kind of like uh, a bridge is something that I learned from Russell Brunson in his, uh, in his book, uh, Expert Secrets, where he's literally talking about how when you have something that's complex, and you can look at your audience and you know, maybe you use the, you know, a, a $5 word or something. And all of a sudden they don't quite understand, but you can use that context, that word. It's kind of like, and then you give your own explanation of what that is. It allows them to make a connection with that story that you're, that you're putting into place. And I love how you did that because they're literally that baseball story has nothing to do with the efficiencies of that company, no. but it's kind of like gives that connection. And now that story, which somebody can relate to, and now somebody can connect with you has now bridged that gap. And now they can see how they can open up that door to talk about the things that are inefficient within that business. I love it. That's a great example. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your business though. Like who, who's your ideal client? Who's the person that you are looking to talk to and help today? I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. 
Yeah. So, you know, because of the fact that uh, what we teach and consult around is based on behavioral psychology, it's it's applicable literally in, in any selling scenario. Now, having said that, uh, we've spent most of our time working with software companies. We've done a lot of work in the cybersecurity space in helping cybersecurity companies, because guess what? There has to be at least 500 cybersecurity software companies out there. Tons. How do they differentiate themselves? That's, that's an important question. And so by working with master messaging, they're able to focus the conversation on the specific challenges that they know that they can solve inside of the prospects organization and contrast that with what they can do differently with the uh, cybersecurity software that they've created. And so instead of, you know, instead of walking in and sounding like every other cybersecurity company where they say, hey, we're going to protect you from hackers, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. They sound just like the last 10 salespeople that walked in and talked about cybersecurity. Now what they do is they get very laser focused around the challenges and problems that they know that they can address and speak to that. Now, there's a really important principle that uh, you just heard me share, and that's contrast. Uh, Daniel Kahneman, easily one of the most brilliant behavioral psychologists in the world today. He cracked the code in the early 2000s on human, how human beings perceive value. And I've asked this question across the 250 companies that I've served, hundreds if not thousands of salespeople, is value important when you're communicating with a prospect? And of course they say yes. Then I ask the question, hey, do you have the scientific explanation of how a human being perceives value in their brain? have never gotten a right answer. So the simplified uh, explanation of how human beings perceive value, it shows up in a contrasting worldview. It's literally, this is what your world looks like without my product, contrasted with this is what your world could look like with my product. Now, there's a couple keys that have to happen there. It has to be uh, instantaneous in the conversation that you create that contrast. I'll give you another quick example. Uh, every year, I participate in a uh, fundraiser for children with autism. It's called Bike to the Beach. So they drop us in the middle of Delaware, and we ride 50 miles to the beach. And uh, last year, they dropped us in a part of Delaware that where the road had been recently been stripped of the uh, top coat. Now, if you know anything about street bikes, that's not a recipe for an enjoyable <laughs> experience. So the first five years, we're riding like this. Just we got to get off this road five miles of that. And all of a sudden we hit the newly smooth paved section of the road. Immediately, every one of the uh, bikers exclaimed, oh my God, this is the smoothest road I've ever been on. They wouldn't have done that if we had started the race on the smooth road because Mm. there would not have been any contrast. So it's up to the salesperson, again, to understand the challenges and the problems and the impact of those challenges in the world of the prospect that they're talking to. But here's the key. When they shift the conversation to what the prospect can do differently with the product or service that, they're, uh, that uh, the sales rep represents, the sales rep cannot say anything about the product. Because here's why. If you go from talking about the prospect's problems to what we do is and then you start talking about you, you've lost the contrast because mm. you went from talking about them to talking about you. So, so the is, is, the is it like a guided discussion here where you're kind of helping them get to that epiphany of their own? Like, oh, this is where the solution lies. 
Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a quick example. Um, I, again, give me some creative license. And uh, let's assume that I haven't used a smartphone ever. I just okay. was one of those weird people. Didn't want to have anything to do with a smartphone. Flip phone loyalties. Right. Just all about the flip phone. Right. So uh, I show up at an AT&T store one day and I go, I woke up today. I'm kind of curious. What's all the, you know, what's all, all, all you know, all, all the excitement? Here's what most of the salespeople would do in the AT&T store. They would go grab the latest iPhone off the shelf and they go, you've never seen one of these or used one of these. They're amazing. They got Gorilla Glass, aluminum backing. It's got a 128 gigabit hard drive, 14 megapixel camera. It's all in a form factor that weighs less than a pound. Don't you want one? That's what they would do. It's all about what it is and does. So let's assume that I walk into a Verizon store and they understand this contrast equals value principle. And so they engage me in a conversation. Oh, you've never used a smartphone? Okay, cool. So tell me a little bit about you and your family. Okay, that's easy. Uh, four adult children. As a matter of fact, my oldest daughter just got married, moved out to Portland, Oregon. My wife and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, they're you know starting a whole family out, out there on the West Coast. And the salesperson looks at me and goes, well, how's that working? It's horrible. My wife's an emotional mess. We've never, we just, they just gave birth to our very first granddaughter. She wants to be there to help. It's horrible. And so we have this conversation. He's drawing out the pain and the anguish associated with not being able to be there. And all of a sudden he flips the conversation and he goes, Hey, David, he goes, what if you could see your granddaughter every day, just like she was standing right next to you? What if you could see her first steps or maybe more importantly for you, what if you could see the expression on her face the first time she says granddaddy, mm. you can, it's called a smartphone. Do you want one? At that oh. point, at that point, I'm going to be like, well, yeah, but prove to me that works. Prove to me that that's real. Okay. It's called FaceTime. You do this, you do this and you can see. Okay. Well, how much does all that cost? It's $5,000 for a phone. I'll take two. Mm-hmm. Easy decision. It's the- it's the perceived value here. And, and I've, I've heard this over and over again. When you're trying to differentiate yourself, oftentimes, especially in business, that becomes a battle of price. The price basically battles all the way down to like zero, right? The value is it becomes a commodity. It goes away. But the perceived value that you're painting here, all of a sudden, it gives more value to that customer. That customer is willing to pay more for a product because of the perceived value, which ultimately makes you stand out. It's the reason why you're like, five grand, I'll take two. Because there's so much more perceived value based on the problems that you brought up. Am I, am I getting that correct? You are. You are. Value is king. And, you know, so again, doing hundreds of workshops, two of the uh, uh, common challenges that I get are this. Number one. How do I overcome the price objection? My response is, it's very hard at the end of a relationship or at the end of a conversation to overcome the price objection because what they're literally telling you is that you did not communicate enough value to your product. That's what they're telling you. They're in their mind. They're thinking that price against the perceived value that I just heard. Uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. The other uh, uh, problem that I'm asked to solve is David. How do, how do you drive a sense of urgency in the sale to get people off the fence and, 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 and you know, get them out of the indecision? I said, that comes back to value as well. I said, again, here's another quick example. Living in Atlanta, Georgia, five years ago, uh, our air conditioner in the middle of August goes out in the upstairs of our house, which oh, is no. where the bedrooms are. 
the first night that we're trying to sleep without air conditioning, it's 95 degrees in the house. We're, my wife and I are both sweating. She kicks me at 2.30 in the morning and says, you're going to have an air conditioning unit in this house tomorrow. And <laughs> I said, I said, sweet, it's not, it's not in the budget. We, we didn't budget, you know, five grand. She goes, I don't care. Go get the money, get an air conditioning unit in this house tomorrow. That's because of the perceived value of air conditioning. Because when you walk from a 95 degree uh, outside, 100% humidity into a room that's 70 degrees and low humidity, you experience instant contrast, which is why people pay so much money for air conditioning. All right, let me ask you about your program. So you obviously you've you've shown us there's a lot of value in being able to tell a story. There's a lot of value in pointing out the perceived value and in, in identifying the contrast. And that was just in a quick 20 something minutes here that we've been talking about. What if I have a, a sales team or I want to learn some more of these strategies so that I can start implementing them in my sales process, increasing my sales and standing out amongst my competition? What is that process like? What can we expect? Well, I, number one, I, I would encourage your, your audience to get my newest book, 6X, 6X Convert More Prospects to Customers. And it's all about a, a process that you walk through to uh, implement some of the things that you've heard me share uh, in, in the uh, time that we've been together today. But um, the other thing to know is that uh, there is no off the shelf training that we do for sales organizations. Everything is custom to our client. And that involves uh, anywhere from a two to four week process where we do a deep dive into who's the market you're going after and not and even more importantly than the market, who are the personas inside of those uh, businesses that you have to build a relationship with? Because the perception of value for each of those personas is going to be different. So we go uh, through a discovery process that is about two to four weeks. And on the heels of that, we create a sales conversation playbook. And in that, that playbook then becomes the foundation for the workshops that we facilitate with the sales organizations. And the reason that we did that is that there were so many times in the early years of master messaging where I would communicate with a room full of sales people, like the concept of how people perceive value. They'd raise their hand and go, hey, could, could, you, could you give me an example of how to do that for my product and the prospects yeah. that I talked to? And I'm, I'm like, did I not do a good job of explaining? They go, no, no, that was, that, that was brilliant. I, just it would make it easier for me if you just did that. And so after hearing that over and over again, we started creating these playbooks that we would use in the workshop. So we would give them a principle and a technique and then we would model. OK, here's how that here's how you can do that for your product or service. And so we walk through the workshops and then we've got um, a, a video course that we customize to our clients world that they can use post workshop to continue to drive adoption in alignment around what they learned in the workshop. And then in a lot of cases, we're also providing ongoing coaching uh, to that sales organization post-workshop. Because most sales leaders know, hey, if you just do a workshop and you get everybody excited and then you walk away and don't do anything else. It's over. It's over, yeah. You're not gonna get the benefit of that training unless there's some post-workshop uh, focus around, okay, let's make sure that it's being adopted and implemented. What a novel uh, idea there to have some accountability afterwards to see if actually these strategies are being implemented, if there's anything that has changed to have, that, you can, that you can modify. So having a custom sales process or a custom sales uh, presentation for those organizations, that's amazing. Um, if people wanted to reach out to you and get started with that, how can they do that? 
Yeah, well, I, the easiest thing to do would be to go to the website, uh, mastermessaging.com, uh, or they could uh, reach out to me directly at uh, dkirchen at mastermessaging.com. Uh, either of those ways, or even find us on LinkedIn. Uh, that would be an effective way to, to reach out as well. Perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, look, sales is part of the game. It doesn't matter if you're a one-man band or you got a complete team. You have to turn around and make sales or your business will dry up. And the best way to do that is to provide value. And what you learn today through stories, providing value for your clients, or at least the perceived value of what it is that you're offering, those are skills that can take you far beyond uh, almost any sales venture you've ever been on. So if you guys need a little bit of help, make sure you guys go to his website, mastermessaging.com, mastermessaging.com. David will be there to help you guys out, answer any questions you got. Make sure you pick up his book. One more time, David, what's the name of the book? 6X? 6X. Convert more prospects to customers. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on our website. Um, you can get it on a lot of uh, different book outlets. Uh, go for it. Boom. There it is. David, I got one more question for you. Um, we uh, we love video testimonials. You know how powerful they are in the sales process. What was your experience like today creating uh, content? Well, essentially, uh, short clips in a long format here on the Business Bros. Oh, no, the experience was great. I, I love the, uh, the whole interactive uh, aspect of it, uh, just sitting here like having a, a conversation, and for you to, to again to tee up some of the uh, questions and challenges that sales professionals face. No, it was a great experience. Love it. Appreciate it, my brother. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you guys check it out one more time. Is his website is mastermessaging.com. David, thank you very much for coming on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace, and we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcasts like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.